Well, good morning again. It's good to see all of you here. It's nice to see the place filling up again. Welcome back our, what would you call snowbirds? Is that what you, you like that? Is that a good word? Is that okay? Okay. Snowbirds. Welcome back. It's fun visiting with some of you I'd never met before, and, and some of you I had met and forgot, and you forgot me, but it all worked out. It just worked out well. When I was growing up, my dad worked as a machinist. He worked for United Shoe Machinery Corporation. There are a lot of shoe factories in southern Maine, and so they used to travel, he and his crew, from Kennebunkport up to Freeport to fix broken-down shoe-making machines. And he had a, a black, he called it his grip. It was his tool thing. And it had United Shoe Machinery written on it. And he had screwdrivers and pliers and knives and things in there that he used. And on pain of death, if my brother and I needed to use a screwdriver, you do not go to the grip. Because my dad would sharpen those knives and he would sharpen the screwdrivers and he would clean the thing and make sure the pliers everything was clean. That was his living. That was his toolbox. And the passage we look at this morning, we're investigating Timothy's toolbox. Timothy was a young pastor, younger pastor, a, uh, a disciple or a mentee of the Apostle Paul. And Paul had asked Timothy to pastor the church in Ephesus, and he wrote a couple of letters to Timothy to instruct him, to uh, guide him, to talk to him about his toolbox. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Keruxon ton logon. That was the, on the front of Dallas Theological Seminary. When I went there as a student and when I taught there for years, the, every morning we'd drive in and we were reminded, Keruxon ton logon. Preach the word. Be faithful in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, encourage, teach with all firmness and gentleness. Well, why that? I mean, why preach the word? We could do a lot of things. We take offerings. <laughs> you heard about the preacher on the airplane and the Engine went out, the pilot said, is there any clergy on board? We're not going to make it. If there's a clergyman, would you do something religious? So a pastor got up and took an offering. <laughs> we do counseling. We feed the hungry. We support missions as they're functioning around. We do lots of things. But Paul zeroed in and focused on this with a strong imperative, preach the word. And the reason he told Timothy to be faithful in season and out of season, when it's comfortable or when it's uncomfortable, you stay with the word. Now, just before he had given Timothy that command, he gave him some instruction. Our passage this morning is taken from uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which is just a few verses and just a paragraph ahead of Paul's strong exhortation to Timothy to preach the word. And he's told him in preparation for that, that emphatic command, he said, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. 
and therefore profitable, useful. It's useful for a number of things. It's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. In order that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Timothy, this, this word I'm talking about, this, this scripture, this preach the word, this is not the work of some brilliant, intelligent person only. Scripture is God-breathed. Peter made a similar statement, 2 Peter. Uh, uh, he told uh, his readers in, in 2 Peter, which I thought he'd written down here somewhere, but I'll find it. Uh, no scripture is of human interpretation, but prophets spoke as they were carried along by the Spirit of God. No word of scripture is of private interpretation. We didn't make this up. Even this thing Paul says that I'm writing to you, I didn't, this, this, there's a sense that God is breathing this through me. And it's the scripture that is inspired. And this whole idea of inspiration, there's, there are quite a few pages of most theology books about what in the world is this talking about. And there are five major theories, which I'm not going to go into, but they go all the way from the dictation theory, which says God, like Solomon, take out your tablet and number from one to ten, you know, where God just spoke those words exactly right to them and and that, and then the other end, the other end of this spectrum, is is it's uh, just where these guys were sort of juiced up. Uh, they were uh, sort of super inspired, super dynamic. It's called the dynamic theory. It's sort of like Leonardo da Vinci was when he did Mona Lisa. You know, it was, it's all human. It's just human people. So from one extreme to the other, and there are two in the middle that really sort of work, really sort of work. One is, is called the, the verbal theory, which says, yes, there are places in the Bible where it is like dictation. It is very precise. The Ten Commandments, God very much said that. When in Ezekiel, where we see the dimensions of the, the, the temple, saying it's supposed to, it's an exact representation of the temple in heaven. So these dimensions have to be precise. God didn't say, eh, somewhere between three and five feet. No, precise. So there is that in some sections. But the dynamic theory says that God didn't take individuals' personality out of it. When you read in the Old Testament, for instance, you read Isaiah's gorgeous, some of the most Beautiful poetry ever written anywhere. I mean, Isaiah was just this beautiful stuff. And then Habakkuk is much more pedestrian. Uh, he's just a dialogue with God. There's nothing glorious, no great poetry there. Or, or, or you read Paul, this very precise theologian. And, and you see Paul's personality. You see Paul's training. Paul often refers to his training as a as, as a rabbi, before he became a Christian. And you go to John, and John's all about love, and it's just softer, and it's smoother, right? And, and so you see these people's personality coming through. 
So somehow, and we don't really understand it, but somehow God breathed in various different ways. In fact, the, uh, the book of Hebrews said God spoke to our fathers through the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So this whole idea of how God breathed it, the point is, the point is Paul wants Timothy to understand. And Paul wants us, the 21st century readers, to understand. You can trust this. Timothy said, this is your grip. This is your toolbox, Timothy. And you need to take those screwdrivers out and sharpen them up once in a while. You need to make sure those knives are like razors. And you need to make sure those pliers meet and they're not dirty and they're clean. And the equivalent of my dad sitting at night and going through that grip and cleaning those tools, reading it. <laughs> There's a starting point. Or as the psalmist and as many other writers say, meditate on it. It's not easy to read it with one brain cell engaged. It's read it, and, and after you read it, to stop and say, what did I just read? I mean, I had students who'd read, you know, you, you, you read the book, and you say, you come to class, tell me everything you know about the book. Well, it was brown. You ever done that? You read a paragraph or a page or a chapter, and you say, I have no clue what I just read. So meditation says we engage both brain cells. We engage the whole process. We get into it, and then we stop and say, what is that? what's that about? What's that about for me? What, how does that work for me? So the, the, the scripture is God-breathed, and therefore it is profitable. If a prophet can't be profitable, who can? So it is a pun. But anyway, uh, th these, it's profitable. It's useful. It's not just there for entertainment. This is God's book of instructions. This is how God tells us to live life. It's good for teaching. The first thing he mentions is teaching. It's like the Old Testament Torah. It's, it's, it's God's description of how life ought to be lived. It's God's description of how we should relate to him, to worship him, to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. It teaches us how we should relate to each other. I love in the Proverbs, it says to teach you what is right and just and fair. I, I like that statement. I've mentioned it here before. Just stop and think about that. If you put everything else aside and just said, you know, if in my relationships with people, with my spouse, with my friends, with my roommate, with my grandkids, my kids, if I just could be just and right and fair, wow. <laughs> so it's just about that simple stuff. How do I become a Christian? How can I enter into a personal relationship with the living God? How can I have the power of the Spirit of God active in my life? How can I make a difference in the world? How can I be a help to that neighbor who knocks on my door in the night and says, my husband just left me, or my child has passed away, and I, I'm dying, and I need help? And you say, gee, I wish I could help you. Paul said to Timothy, when that happens, preach the word. I mean, it's not get up here and rant and rave and spit on people and foam at the mouth. It's quietly, gently. Open up and say, you know, there is a living God who loves you. 
and who can make sense of this for you. And you say, but I don't have a clue where to turn on my Bible to help you. I really, Monday, call the church. Kathy can help you, which is great. Thank God for Kathy. What about you? Every ounce and every bit of reality that it's true that God has called Kathy into ministry, it is that true that he has called you into ministry. And just as Kathy has great responsibility to keep her tools sharp, so do you. You see, we, we live in this weird world here. We go to work here, <laughs> this holy place, which <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> you get it. We're not out there where the real things are. We don't shoot real bullets in here. We shoot spiritual bullets. Out there, people shooting real bullets at you. And you are God's person, woman, man on the spot right now, right there. And just as true as Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and you can trust it. It's valuable. It's valuable for laying down this broad foundation of how God wants us to live life. It's good for teaching. It's good for rebuke. Because sometimes we screw up. We mess up. And I come in here sometimes and I read and I say, ooh, wow, messed that one up. I probably shouldn't have had that conversation I just had a bit ago. That thought that just went through my mind, that ugly, nasty, miserable thought. And I was fine until I read this thing and it slapped me upside the head and said, hey, doofus, you screwed up. Is that just me? No, don't look so pious. You're just as rotten as I am. <laughs> yeah, of course we do. But there are things that I don't know I'm messing up. We had a young couple come in from marriage. They weren't young. They were kind of in the, in the middle of you know, like 30s. And they came in, and uh, they had just become Christians. We had just told them about Jesus, and they became Christians. And, and so they were going to get married. And so I was doing the, filling out the premarital form, and, and uh, what's your address? And his address was your address, same address. I said, oh, you guys, oh, yeah, we've lived together for a long time. I said, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't do that. Really? <laughs> he moved out that day. He was rebuked. I learned something today. I learned something. But it's good for rebuke, and that's good. But it doesn't stop there. Have you ever been accosted by somebody with the the gift of confrontation. <laughs> how do I fix it? Well, that's up to you. No. It's good for teaching. It tells us how we ought to live. It's good for rebuke. It brings us up short and says you're not living up to the standard. It's good for correction. Correction. That word correction is a beautiful correction. I met an orthopod in the back this morning. Uh, and so orthopedics, orthodontists come from this word. It means to straighten. It means to align. So, yeah, I, I understand the teaching. I understand the rebuke. I've been, I've been confronted with what I shouldn't do. 
but also says, now let's fix it. And it teaches us how to fix it. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. And, and uh, so the, the rebuke, but then the correction is to straighten it out, to set it right, and then for training in righteousness. Now this word, it moves here at this point in the passage, if you are underlining in your Bible. The first three are what I call minus ones. Well, or actually the two. A minus one is I'm in trouble. I got a problem. So scripture is, is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, which sets a standard for rebuking you're not doing it right, and correcting. It brings me back. It gets me out of trouble so that I'm not bad anymore. Now, if Paul had stopped there, we'd say, great, so the Bible teaches me how to be not bad, which is a start. But then he moves on from, from uh, correcting to training in righteousness. So he says, okay, here's the standard. You messed up the standard. You've corrected the standard. You're out of trouble. You've confessed your sins as we did this morning. You've confessed your sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whew, boy, I'm glad that's all gone. Don't stop. Don't stop. Paul said this, this book also helps you become a righteous person, a better person, a greater contributor to your culture. Training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. The word paiduo, uh, uh, our word pedagogy comes from that. Training. And it involves more than just talking. The word relates to bringing up children who need direction, teaching, instruction, and discipline. And so it's the tough stuff. My son gave me a book on the SEAL, Navy SEALs, uh, for Christmas. I've been reading that, and the self-discipline, and the training. And it's not written for SEALs. It's written for fat old guys like me to get it back together. It hadn't happened yet, but I'm working on it. But training, training, training. And I have, in my office, I have three different places where I put this thing about self-control. Discipline. Training. Growing. Holding myself accountable. This Timothy, Timothy, Paul said, you've you got to get after it. You've got to get involved. Training in righteousness so that, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's the plus one. God wants us to be not bad, but he also wants us to be superlative. He wants you to be able to look in the mirror in the morning and say, you know what? You are one incredible human being. Yeah. You say, not me. Why not? You're created in God's image. I have a thing on my, my schedule book. It's a, a reminder to me of, of life. And, and one, of the, one of the core principles is I'm God's child by birth and by regeneration. You are God's child. You have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside you. You are spiritually gifted by God because he wants you to be equipped for every good work. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's 
workmanship. See, God takes out his toolbox, gets his screwdrivers, gets his knife and cuts away the stuff that shouldn't be there, the stuff that's slowing us down, the impedimentures. And then he gets his screwdriver out and he tacks on the stuff that makes us. We are his workmanship. Do you sense that in your life? Do you sense that in your life? Do you sense that the Holy Spirit who inspired, who breathed out this word, now is practicing illumination, which is the second part of inspiration? God didn't just say, I'm going to inspire this and leave it out there. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit into my believers who will teach them what it means. We are his workmanship. And he works on us as we are in this book. He works on us as we are in prayer. He works on us as we are talking with one another. He works on us as we're confessing our sins to one another. He works on us as we're encouraging and, and, and weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice in the community of Christ. That's what this is about here this morning. Being here together. I just come and sit and live visiting with you guys. What a thrill. Just filled my sugar bowls, did I used to say. You are his workmanship. Never cut God short by putting yourself down. You are God's workmanship. Paul said, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. You belong to him. And he wants to polish and shine and repair and cut away and add to. That's what he's all about with you. Become who God created you to be. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm still reading the Bible. You know, this is still Ephesians chapter, chapter 2. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is your destiny? Your destiny is to grow. To let God do his work on you. To every day be able to put your head on your pillow at night. Those last few minutes, the lights are out. There's nobody to talk to, nobody to perform for. It's you and God. In those last few quiet moments to say, Lord, thank you. It's a good day. I spread that bit of gossip I shouldn't have, but you reproved me. And I confessed it and you corrected me. And then you told me and I learned and I've meditated on that passage that says I shouldn't do that. I should use wholesome words, healthy words, words to build up. Thank you for that. Good night. I'm going to go to sleep. That's how it should be. That's how God wants it to be. Let him work on you. Get in his word. Spend time in prayer. First Peter 2 says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's not talking about Israel. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about this church. 
Let me read it again. We, you and me, we are part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that we may proclaim God's excellencies, because he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow. Uh, You have a grip. Get a grip on it. You have Timothy's toolbox. Full of good stuff. Encouragement. All kinds of great stuff. Teaching. Reproof. Correction. Instruction and righteousness. So that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, something else Paul said to Timothy uh, and Titus, the other young pastor he wrote a letter to, wrote two to Timothy, one to Titus. And he said to these guys, now, you've got, your job is really important. You need to preach the word, you need to touch and prove, you need to reprove and instruct and teach and all that good stuff. But you ain't alone. It's isn't all up to you. You've got a team that you need to build around you. They're called elders and deacons. And their ministry, Timothy, is every bit as important as yours. Your job is to equip them for their work of service because what they do really, really matters. We have the wonderful privilege this morning of ordaining a deacon and commissioning a deacon and an elder. So I'm going to do this uh, commissioning thing, uh, the ordination thing first. Pat, would you come over here? This is Pat Hatfield. She's one of our uh, uh, deacons. And this morning, I'm going to come down here. I want to just be. How you doing? Looking forward to this deacon stuff? Hard work. They take care of the rest of us, you know. When we're sick. You enjoy that? Well, good. That's a good match. Yeah. I don't enjoy that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Kathy, that's Kathy's deal. That's why we have Kathy, because... Anyway, but I do it. But see, people like you, see, God called me, this up there, bat my bicuspids. He called you to take care of people. What a wonderful thing. So I have some, this here, let me read this. This morning we are dating Pat Hatfield as a deacon at Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. Following her ordination, we will install her as an officer of our congregation along with Stephanie. Isn't this great? Wow. So I have some questions, and you can, okay. okay. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and do you boldly declare Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God and inspired by the Holy Spirit? You better after we just did it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the unique witness to Jesus Christ and the authority for Christian faith and life? If so, say, I do. I do. Amen. Do you, I just did that one. Will you receive, adopt, and be bound by the essential tenets of the covenant order of Presbyterians as a reliable exposition of what Scripture teaches us to do and believe, and will you be guided by them in your life and your ministry? If so, say, I will. I will. I think you will. Relying on the Holy Spirit, do you humbly submit to God's call on your life 
committing yourself to God's mission and fulfilling your ministry in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of Scripture and guided by our confessions? If so, say, I do. Great. Will you be governed by the covenant order of Presbyterians' polity and discipline? And will you be accountable to your fellow elders, deacons, and pastors as you lead? If so, say, I will. Do you promise to be faithful in maintaining the truth of the gospel and the peace, unity, and purity of the church? If so, say, I do. And will you pray for and seek to serve the people of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love? Amen. And by the power vested in me, I'm going to put, just put my head on I don't want to mess up your hair. I'll do it here. By the power vested in me, by the covenant order of Presbyterians, and by the session and congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church, I ordain you. That's cool, isn't it? Wow. She's crying. Isn't that great? I ordain you, Pat Hatfield, as a deacon to serve our Lord in the congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church under the power and direction of God's Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't go away. Now, you've only been ordained. You haven't been installed yet. So, Stephanie, come on up. We're going to... Stephanie has served on our elder board before. Stephanie has done everything, including... Clean the church. <laughs> yeah, ain't nothing Stephanie hadn't done. She's one of our super troopers. So uh, Stephanie Landis has been previously ordained and served as an elder here. It is now my honor to lead our congregation as we install Pat Hatfield as a deacon and Stephanie Landis as an elder to lead and minister to us as members of our church. Stephanie Landis. Do you commit to serve as a faithful elder, watching over the people of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church in their worship, nurture, and service to God? If so, say, I will. I will. On the basis of your commitment to serve as an elder, we now install you as an active elder to serve our Lord and the congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. Welcome back. And Pat Hatfield, do you commit to serve Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church as a faithful deacon, serving the people, urging concern, and directing the people's help to those in need? If so, say, I will. I will. All right. Pat, on the basis of your commitment, we now install you to be an active deacon to serve our Lord and the congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. Do we, the covenant partners of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church, accept Pat Hatfield as a deacon? So say we do. Okay. And Stephanie Landis, as an elder, uh, I, uh, part, as pastor of the church, I now install you to be an active elder to serve our Lord in the congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. Do we, the covenant partners of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church, accept Stephanie Landis? as an elder in our church? If so, say, we do. We do. Amen. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Stephanie Landis as an elder and Pat Hatfield as a deacon have been chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ according to the word of God and the constitution of the covenant order of Presbyterians. 
Do we agree to pray for Stephanie and Pat, to encourage them to respect their decisions, to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? If so, say we do. We do. Okay. Then by the power vested in me by the covenant order of Presbyterians and the session and congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church, I install you, Stephanie Landis, as an elder, and you, Pat Hatfield, as a deacon, to serve our Lord and the congregation of Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church under the power and direction of God's Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful moment. If you are a, a current or former elder, deacon, or trustee, would you come forward while we pray for these dear folks? Yeah. Got to lay hands. Don't mess up her hair. All right. Hey, Floyd. Good to see you, buddy. Wow. This is an impressive looking bunch, for the most part. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I ain't telling. All right. Lord, what a privilege and thrill it is to ordain and, and induct people into formal leadership in a, your church. Awesome responsibility, overwhelming privilege. And I pray, Father, for uh, Pat and Stephanie in their respective roles that you will use them in a powerful way in the lives of this congregation and the lives of this community as representatives of Jesus Christ as they spread the gospel and the love of Christ. So we commission them, we ordain them, we trust them to you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. 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 All right, go sit down. Isn't this beautiful? This is great. Look at all these people. Man, if our elders and deacons leave, you've got no one left. Yeah. Now, what are you hugging each other for? <laughs> we just have That's nice. All right. Let's do the benediction. And I don't have my watch on. Are you good on time? All right. Father, what a privilege it is to be members of the church. Thank you for Timothy's toolbox, for our toolbox, for a chance to sharpen the tools that will make us good, righteous people that will make us equipped for ministry we bless you we thank you for that in the name of the father son and holy spirit of god amen